Chapter One of Little Masterpieces of American Wit and Humor, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joe Sela. Little Masterpieces of American Wit and Humor, Volume One. Edited by Thomas Lansing Masson. Walter Van Twiller by Washington Irving. It was in the year of our Lord, 1629, that Minheer Walter Van Twiller was appointed governor of the province of New Netherlands, under the commission and control of their high mightinesses, the Lord States General of the United Netherlands, and the privileged West India Company. This renowned old gentleman arrived at New Amsterdam in the merry month of June, the sweetest month in all the year, when Don Apollo seems to dance up the transparent firmament, when the robin, the thrush, and a thousand other wanton songsters make the woods to resound with amorous ditties, and the luxurious little Bob Lincoln reveals among the clover blossoms of the meadows all which happy coincidences persuaded the old dames of new amsterdam who were skilled in the art of foretelling events that this was to be a happy and prosperous administration the renowned wouter or walter van twiller was descended from a long line of dutch burgomasters who had successfully dozed away their lives and gone fat upon the bench of magistracy in rotterdam and who had comported themselves with such singular wisdom and propriety that they were never either heard or talked of which next to being universally applauded should be the object of ambition of all magistrates and rulers there are two opposite ways by which some men make a figure in the world one by talking faster than they think and the other by holding their tongues and not thinking at all by the first many a smatterer acquires a reputation of a man of quick parts by the other many a dunderpate like the owl the stupidest of birds comes to be considered the very type of wisdom this by the way is a casual remark which i would not for the universe have it thought i apply to governor van twiller it is true he was a man shut up within himself like an oyster and rarely spoke except for in monosyllables but then it was allowed he seldom said a foolish thing so invincible was his gravity that he was never known to laugh or even to smile through the whole course of a long and prosperous life nay if a joke were uttered in his presence that set light-minded hearers in a roar it was observed to throw him into a state of perplexity sometimes he would deign to inquire into the matter and when after much explanation the joke was made as plain as a pike-staff he would continue to smoke his pipe in silence and at length knocking out the ashes would exclaim well i see nothing in all that to laugh about with all his reflective habits he never made up his mind on a subject his adherents accounted for this by the astonishing magnitude of his ideas he conceived every subject on so grand a scale that he had not room in his head to turn it over and examine both sides of it certain it is that if any matter were propounded to him on which ordinary mortals would rashly determine at first glance he would put on a vague mysterious look shake his capacious head smoke some time in profound silence and at length observe that he had his doubts about the matter which gained him the reputation of a man slow of belief and not easily imposed upon what is more it gained him a lasting name for to this habit of the mind has been attributed his surname twiller which is said to be a corruption of the original twidgefler or in plain english doubter the person of this illustrious old gentleman was formed and proportioned as though it had been moulded by the hands of some cunning dutch statuary as a model of majesty and lordly grandeur he was exactly five feet six inches in height and six feet five inches in circumference his head was a perfect sphere and of such stupendous dimensions that dame nature with all her sex's ingenuity 
would have been puzzled to construct a neck capable of supporting it. Wherefore, she wisely declined the attempt and settled it firmly on top of his backbone, just between the shoulders. His body was oblong and particularly capacious at bottom, which was wisely ordered by Providence, seeing that he was a man of sedentary habits and very adverse to the idle labor of walking. His legs were short but sturdy in proportion to the weight they had to sustain, so that when erect he had not a little the appearance of a beer-barrel on skids. His face, that infallible index of the mind, presented a vast expanse unfurrowed by those lines and angles which defigure the human countenance with what is termed expression. Two small gray eyes twinkled feebly in the midst, like two stars of lesser magnitude in a hazy firmament, and his full-fed cheeks, which seemed to have taken toll of everything that went into his mouth, were curiously mottled and streaked with dusky red, like a Spitzenberg apple. His habits were as regular as his person. He daily took his four stated meals, appropriately exactly an hour to each. He smoked and doubted eight hours, and he slept the remaining twelve of the four and twenty. Such was the renowned Walter Van Twillery, a true philosopher, for his mind was either elevated above or tranquilly settled below the cares and perplexities of this world. He had lived in it for years, without feeling the least curiosity to know whether the sun revolved round it or it round the sun, and he had watched for at least half a century the smoke curling from his pipe to the ceiling, without once troubling his head with any of those numerous theories by which a philosopher would have perplexed his brain in accounting for its rising above the surrounding atmosphere. In his council he presided with great state and solemnity. He sat in a huge chair of solid oak hewn in the celebrated forest of The Hague fabricated by an experienced temperament of Amsterdam, and curiously carved about the arms and feet into exact imitations of gigantic eagle-claws. Instead of a scepter, he swayed a long Turkish pipe, wrought with jasmine and amber, which had been presented to a stadtholder of Holland at the conclusion of a treaty with one of the petty Barbary powers. In this stately chair would he sit, and this magnificent pipe would he smoke, shaking his right knee with a constant motion, and fixing his eye for hours together upon a little print of Amsterdam, which hung in a black frame against the opposite wall of the council chamber. Nay, it has even been said that when any deliberation of extraordinary length and intricacy was on the carpet, the renowned Walter would shut his eyes for full two hours at a time, that he might not be disturbed by external objects, and at such times the internal commotion of his mind was evinced by certain regular guttural sounds, which his admirers declared were merely the noise of conflict made by his contending doubts and opinions. It is with infinite difficulty I have been able to collect these biographical anecdotes of the great man under consideration. The facts respecting him were so scattered and vague, and diverse of them so questionable in point of authenticity, that I have had to give up the search after many and decline the admission of still more, which would have tended to heighten the coloring of his portrait. I have been the more anxious to delineate fully the person and habits of Walter Van Twiller from the consideration that he was not only the first but also the best governor that ever presided over this ancient and respectable province, and so tranquil and benevolent was his reign that I do not find throughout the whole of it a single instance of any offender being brought to punishment, a most indubitable sign of a merciful governor, and a case unparalleled excepting in the reign of the illustrious King Log, from whom it is hinted the renowned Van Twiller was a lineal descendant. The very outset of the career of this excellent magistrate was distinguished by an example of legal acumen that gave flattering presage of a wise and equitable administration. The morning after he had been installed in office, and at the moment that he was making his breakfast from a prodigious earthen dish, 
filled with milk and Indian pudding, he was interrupted by the appearance of Wandel Schoonhoven, a very important old burgher of New Amsterdam, who complained bitterly of one Berent Bleeker, inasmuch as he refused to come to a settlement of accounts, seeing that there was a heavy balance in favor of said Wandel. Governor Van Twiller, as I have already observed, was a man of few words. He was likewise a mortal enemy to multiplying writings, or being disturbed at his breakfast. Having listened attentively to the statement of Wandel Schoonhoven, giving an occasional grunt as he shoveled a spoonful of Indian pudding into his mouth, either as a sign that he relished the dish or comprehended the story, he called unto him his constable, and pulling out his breeches pocket a huge jackknife, dispatched it after the defendant as a summons, accompanied by a tobacco box as a warrant. This summary process was as effectual in those simple days as was the seal ring of the great Horon al-Rashid among the true believers. The two parties being confronted before him each produced a book of accounts, written in a language and character that would have puzzled any but a high Dutch commentator or a learned decipherer of Egyptian obelisks. The sage Walter took them one after the other, and having poised them in his hands and attentively counted over the number of leaves, fell straight away into a very great doubt, and smoked for half an hour without saying a word. At length, laying his finger beside his nose and shutting his eyes for a moment, with the air of a man who has just caught a subtle idea by the tail, he slowly took his pipe from his mouth, puffed forth a column of tobacco smoke, and with marvelous gravity and solemnity pronounced that having carefully counted over the leaves and weighed the books, it was found that one was just as thick and heavy as the other. Therefore, it was a final opinion of the court that the accounts were equally balanced. Therefore, Wandel should give Berent a receipt, and Berent should give Wandel a receipt, and the constable should pay the costs. This decision being straightway made known diffused general joy throughout New Amsterdam, for the people immediately perceived that they had a very wise and equitable magistrate to rule over them. But its happiest effect was that not another lawsuit took place throughout the whole of his administration, and the office of constable fell into such decay that there was not one of those local scouts known in the province for many years. I am the more particular in dwelling on this transaction, not only because I deem it one of the most sage and righteous judgments on record, and well worthy the attention of modern magistrates, but because it was a miraculous event in the history of the renowned Wouter, being the only time he was ever known to come to a decision in the whole course of his life. End of Walter Van Twiller Recording by Joe Sela.